0: Trigger warning.
1: While it goes against my politically incorrect nature, I am issuing a trigger warning for this episode. I know I make lots of inappropriate jokes and poor taste about some very heavy stuff in this podcast, so you might think I'm joking now. I'm not. This episode contains material from the original supernatural horror show that is the Christian Bible about sex, sexuality, and sexual assault that some listeners may find triggering.
0: Woe to you of earth
1: and sea. Welcome to Satan is My Superhero, a show about art, culture, history and the devil. I'm your host, Judas Falling. In this episode, I will investigate what the Bible really has to say about LGBT.
2: Oh, Judas, you middle-aged, cisgendered, straight white man. Of course you should be weighing in on this topic. It's your privilege after all. Now, we've all heard the pithy quote,
3: God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve.
2: Yawn.
1: Sure, the first time you heard that, you might have thought it was a little bit funny. You know, as funny as a pun or a dad joke can possibly be. But by the 15th time you've heard it...
3: Okay, guys, we're purchasing a pride march this Saturday, and we need some new placards. Any ideas? What about God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve?
0: It's a classic, and it's true, can't deny it.
3: I was hoping for something new. Anyone got anything else? What about God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve? Brilliant, I love it. You know, I was worried no one here was capable of an original idea.
1: In Genesis, it is very clearly stated that Yahweh created a man and a woman adam and eve it's true that steve is not mentioned and anyone without an imagination will argue this is all the information you need to understand yahweh's plan for who and what the human race should be but of course this particular short story is incredibly narrow in its scope and range of characters we simply have no way of determining the sexual orientation or gender identity of adam or eve through the limited text written about them the narrative of their relationship only occupies three chapters However it does state
0: Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Praise the Lord. Plain devil's
2: advocate here. Oh please don't do that. People say they're advocating for me but they never are. This has been often quoted
1: as the definitive statement on Yahweh's view of marriage.
2: Totally don't feel advocated for right now.
1: But I'd like to take a closer look at just how reasonable it is to read Genesis as a definitive statement of Yahweh's plan for all humanity. If you will indulge me, I'd like to take a detour down the road of diversity. And while we're on the subject, I am fully aware we can add an I and a Q and a couple of A's and a P and a 2 and a plus, and I'm sure some furries would like insertion in this inclusive yet specifically categorized group as well. I haven't left any of those out because I have an opinion about any of that, but I have kept it to the four-way LGBT for the sake of simplicity and what can be found mentioned or alluded to in scripture. So for the purposes of this series of episodes, that is where the focus will lie.
2: The truth is, he's just lazy and will get tongue-tied trying to accommodate everyone repeating a long and confusing initialism over and over. It's just not good enough, if you ask me.
1: Now, despite all of what I just said, because it's relevant to the binary language used in scripture to define humankind, I would like to talk about intersex for a minute. TTs, please give us Wikipedia's definition of intersex.
3: Certainly, Judas. I
0: hope you know what you're doing. Intersex people are individuals born with any of several variations in sex characteristics including chromosomes, gonads, sex hormones, or genitals that, according to the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, do not fit the typical definitions for male or female bodies.
1: In the past these people have been referred to as androgynous, hermaphrodites, or congenital eunuchs. Estimates of intersex births range from 0.02% to 1.7% of the population.
3: Oh, look at you, dear. How far along are you? Seven months. Ooh, how lovely. Do you know what you're having? Uh, a human?
1: Intersex people are not a result of modern science. It's a natural artefact of the diverse and complicated process of biological reproduction. As early as the 5th century BCE, Greek philosopher and father of medicine, Hippocrates, had recognized the existence of intersex people. In his book in the 5th century CE, The Literal Meaning of Genesis, St. Augustine acknowledged the existence of intersex people. Why have I led you down this path of biological diversity? Genesis simply does not describe all of Yahweh's children and the many, many forms nature creates us in. If you want to take Genesis at face value, you are omitting a significant percentage of the human race from Yahweh's plan at
2: birth. And you are Adolf Hitler. Oh, I've done it. We're only a few minutes in and I've already Godwinned myself.
1: I don't think the authors of Genesis were so ignorant that they had never seen a baby born physically different from their description of Adam and Eve. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, like a Hollywood blockbuster action film screenwriter, they were simply making big, broad brushstrokes in their character descriptions.
0: Quickly, scribe, the Lord has touched me with inspiration. Write this down. So, God created man in his own image.
3: Excuse me, Moses, sorry to stop you, but what about Jerry?
0: What about Jerry?
3: Have you seen his third nipple?
0: Yes. I've been to the office parties.
3: So, should we make a footnote about Jerry's extra nipple? Okay then. Footnote, see Jerry's nipples.
0: Can I go on? Please do. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them.
3: What about the birthmark on Samantha's foot?
0: Do you want to make a footnote about Samantha's foot?
3: Yeah, that does seem a bit on the nose, doesn't it? Ooh, that reminds me. Have you seen the nose on Brianna's youngest kid? No way Yowai has a nose like that. It's weird, isn't it, that we're all created in the same image, yet we're all so different. There's a lady two-tenths down from me who's so flexible, she can reach over the back of her shoulder and scratch her own butt. And I don't mean the top of it.
1: The strictly binary physical descriptions of Adam and Eve are simply too inadequate to infer anything about the rest of us. And while Adam and Eve certainly do have sex and make babies, I think we can all agree that is not necessarily an indication of LGBT status. Importantly, the text does not in any way, shape or form actively speak against LGBT. This man cleaves to his wife business is referenced in the Very Progressive and filled with Christ's message of love for all mankind New Testament, when in the Gospel of
0: Matthew, Jesus is asked to give his opinion on divorce. "'Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning "'made them male and female, "'and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, "'and shall cleave to his wife, "'and they twain shall be one flesh? "'Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh?' What, therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Hallelujah!
1: Now, Jesus was asked about divorce, and yet the authors of Matthew felt it necessary to very strongly imply marriage only occurs between a man and a woman. So while I might argue Genesis doesn't go out of its way to actively exclude anyone, I can't say the same for Matthew. Although, there is a get-out-of-jail-free clause for transgender rights in the same
0: chapter. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it.
3: Praise Praise Jesus!
0: I
1: take that to mean if you get gender reassignment surgery so you can better serve Yahweh, you're golden. Later in Genesis, we meet Lot, who is a wealthy man living in Sodom. How did Lot attain his wealth? Well, he is the nephew of Abraham. That's right, that Abraham, who himself is very wealthy. How did Abraham attain his wealth?
0: Abraham was a pimp. Hey, Abraham, I am the Pharaoh of Egypt and I sure do like the look of your wife. Oh, uh, she's not my wife. She's my, um, sister. Yeah, yeah, that's it. She's only my sister and nothing else. What? But... Shut up, woman. This could be very good for me. Well, if she's your sister, I have an indecent proposal for you. I'm sure we can come to some arrangement. What kind of arrangement? What are you talking about? She's a bit mouthy for a woman. Don't worry about anything she says, Pharaoh. You know, these bitches be crazy.
1: Abraham makes so much money out of this arrangement that when Yahweh smites the Pharaoh for having another man's wife, Abraham moves to a new kingdom and pulls the same scam on King Abimelech. This time, Yahweh literally works as Abraham's standover man.
0: Abraham! I was visited in a dream last night by Yahweh who told me Sarah is actually your wife and a curse being placed on me and my household because of it. You told me she was your sister. You lied to me. I didn't lie. Technically, she is my sister. Same dad, different moms. But she is also your wife? Yeah. That's gross. There should be a commandment about that. Well, there isn't yet. Now, about this curse. I'm sure we can come to some kind of
1: arrangement. King Abimelech paid Abraham with land, slaves, livestock and a thousand shekels of silver. Anyway, I got sidetracked. Back to Lot. Lot meets two visiting strangers in the city of Sodom and invites them to stay in his house. They, however, are content to spend the night on the street. Now you know how in horror films the heroes arrive in town and are getting supplies for their night staying in the creepy old house and there's always that one local character who tries to warn them but doesn't actually tell them anything? Yeah, Lot is that character and this is the first literary example of that trope I know of. So anyway, Lot really, really insists they should stay in his house. The strangers finally agree, but it's too late. The local mob of gang rapists have already spotted the strangers and surround Lot's house demanding they come outside to be sexually assaulted. It gets worse. Lot offers his two daughters to the gang in place of the strangers as it would be impolite to let anything untoward happen to guests in his house.
0: Unnamed daughters... What have I taught you about how we treat random strangers in our house? We should look for every opportunity to treat them better than we would expect to be treated ourselves. Very good. I have found for you just such an opportunity.
1: The gang try and force their way into the house and are blinded by the strangers who turn out to be angels. The angels then compel Lot and his family to leave the city as they are about to set off a thermonuclear device and level it. Obviously, this is where we get the term sodomy and it's very clear the tale is about sexual assault but does not in any way speak against same-sex relations between consenting adults. Interestingly, in the same story, after their escape from Sodom and its destruction, we are told Lot's two daughters get
2: Lot drunk and have sex with him. I'm sorry, but there's no amount of drunk that makes that okay. Lot's daughters bear him inbred children, a son
1: Moab, progenitor of the Moabites, and Amon, father of the Ammonite nation. Now, while the Moabites and Ammonites are despised by later generations, no one is directly punished for this act of incest. But... Only a couple of verses earlier, Lot's wife had been turned into a pillar of salt for failing to follow explicit instructions from the angels. So, yeah. If you want Genesis to inform our values, it doesn't actually say anything about LGBT, but very definitely endorses incest and misogyny on steroids where women are shattles to be passed around between men for personal gain.
3: What are you doing? Reading the Bible. What? Why? So I can be a better Christian. Oh no! Oh no! No no! What do you mean no? Oh, oh no. Oh, sweet baby Jesus, no. Oh, Lord, no. That's the opposite of becoming a good Christian. What am I meant to do? You let Father read certain passages to you, and then he can apply his own context to the words, without all the messy other things that might show his meaning has been fabricated to suit his agenda. That sounds really, really dumb. We don't call ourselves sheep for nothing.
0: Say so from my angle, eh. Really no, look 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 the whole story is this, right? Really now you're right. I'm a bloody idiot.
1: Ezekiel also references Sodom while tongue-lashing Jerusalem when he describes the city as a promiscuous woman who has prostituted herself to the Assyrians, Babylonians, and Egyptians, who he describes as having very large genitals.
2: Now you know why those pyramids had to be so tall.
1: Ezekiel even goes as far as to say that Jerusalem's neighbors and longtime enemies, the Philistines, were shocked at the lewdness. But there is no reference to LGBT. In fact, no matter how you want to view it, Ezekiel is very explicitly using heterosexual sex in his metaphor. Sodom is referenced again in the New Testament in the epistle of Jude, a first century warning about false teachers infiltrating the early church.
0: Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Amen!
1: The phrase going after strange flesh is more often than not interpreted as speaking about LGBT. Many seem to believe a better translation of the original Greek would have been other flesh, but I don't think that moves the dial one way or the other. There is debate that Jude could be referencing Enoch in the verse before.
0: And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great. Blessed is the
3: word.
1: Enoch told us the fallen angels were cast down to hell for lusting after human women and impregnating them with giant babies. The argument here from the apologists is that the two strangers in Sodom were actually angels who, as we all know, are genderless. I prefer gender
2: fluid, thank you. I use all the pronouns. I'm a pronoun nightmare from hell. Do you see what I did there? So Judas actually worried about Christians wanting to have sex with
1: angels. I think this is a weak argument. Case closed. Jude's a homophobe. Which is a shame, because I really like his name. Now, while earlier I did say Matthew offered a narrow escape clause for the transgender community, Deuteronomy snatches it away with this line.
0: He that is wounded in the stones, or hath his privy member cut off, shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord.
2: Hallelujah!
0: Young man... Why are you walking like that? Oh, pastor, I got kicked in the testicles playing football yesterday. Kicked in the what? Me nuts, nads, ghoulies, plums, giblies, man eggs, sugar lumps, meat truffles, ticklers, roveries, crinkly demons, turkey skin handbag, grandpa's war goggles, fuzzy nuggets, bearded bagpipes, hairy skin twins, trouser barnacles, you know, me man berries you Henry Wrinklers. Well, you can't come in here. Why not? The good Lord only wants to be worshipped by strapping young men with pristine daddy bags. Now, get out and don't come back until I've inspected those chin bumpers to check they're fully healed.
1: Also in Deuteronomy, we have this gem.
0: There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow. For even both these are abomination unto the Lord thy God.
2: Praise Jesus. We
0: have much
1: debate about what the intention behind the word sodomite is here. The first and most obvious is the modern definition of someone who engages in anal sex. And as already discussed, the events in Sodom were not directly linked to homosexuality, but sexual assault. So it would make sense to say, hey, don't bring your whores or rapists here. Thank you. But more broadly, the word has been used through the ages to describe any sexual act that does not involve semen ending up inside a vagina.
2: So you're all sodomites then?
1: It can also be taken to mean a male sex worker, and this would be the most logical choice here as it fits with the whole statement. The price of a dog is thought by some to refer to a male sex worker's worth. There is also debate as to whether or not the original Hebrew text used sodomite at all, and may have used a word meaning shrine prostitute, which is a term allegedly linked to men who service so-called barren women having trouble to conceive.
2: Translation: Hobby was shooting blanks.
1: It's an ancient IVF program. Mate, I think my wife is barren.
0: I had the same problem last year. Took my old lady down to the local shrine twice a week for a month. Pregnant with twins. What do they do? I don't know. They said I wouldn't understand the process. I guess it's all scientific mumbo jumbo. Anyway, she said the experience was wonderful and can't wait to go back next year. She reckons
1: she's going to try for triplets. I think it's pretty obvious Deuteronomy is talking about men who have sex with other men, probably for money. Now finally we come to Self-Proclaimed
2: Apostle Paul
1: In an upcoming episode of the Origin Story series we'll talk more about
2: Self-Proclaimed Apostle Paul
1: But for now all you need to know is that in my opinion the guy was a bully and a thug who muscled his way into the early church with a fantastic lie I'm not alone in wondering why his letters are in the New Testament at all But they are there and have been used to bash the LGBT community. So in this case, the court of Satan is my superhero will allow their testimony to be heard. In Romans, which is a letter written by
2: Self-proclaimed Apostle Paul
1: to the early Christians in Rome, he says this while talking about sin and wickedness.
0: Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed ever, Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly. Now I know what you're thinking. Finally, lesbians get a
1: mention in the scripture. And I think they are covered in this passage, but many scholars are of the opinion this is once again talking more broadly about our old friend, sex solely for the purposes of procreation. The term natural use is used twice to describe appropriate female sexual activities to really drive this point home. And as I said before, this book is misogyny on steroids.
2: I've always said they should have been burning Bibles, not bras, in the 60s. Such a waste of perfectly fine lingerie. In a letter... Self-proclaimed apostle Paul...
1: Wrote
0: to the early Christians in Corinth, he says... Be not deceived, neither fornicators... "...nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God." There is debate that the word effeminate would have been
1: better translated to mean morally soft or morally flexible. The Greek word used that has been translated to abusers of themselves with mankind could have been deciphered as a compound of two words which would add up to man better, which might not necessarily mean men who bed other men, but promiscuous women. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on homophobia here, but a fail on misogyny. Also the shrine prostitute translation gets thrown around here, which, you know, that, that would also fit. And in a
0: letter,
2: Self-proclaimed Apostle Paul,
0: wrote to the Bishop of Ephesus, Timothy, he had this to say. The law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for man-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the Glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed
2: to my trust. Oh, classic Paul! Yahweh's gospel has been committed to His trust.
1: Pfft. Here once again, he used that same Greek word for man, better that was later translated into "for them that defile themselves with mankind." And all the same arguments apply. Let's go, I'm going to take a short break from the show right now to talk about my sponsors and Patreon. I don't currently have sponsors or Patreon, but if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by buying my novel. It's called Chaos Machine by Judas Falling. It's available through Amazon. You don't need a Kindle to read it. Almost any digital device will do. Don't forget, Chaos Machine by Judas Falling. Now, back to the show. In recent years, there have been many people trying their hardest to interpret scripture in new ways to try and fit the LGBT community into the faith.
3: Pastor, I've been going over the books, and this church will be bankrupt inside a year.
0: Are you telling me I'll have to get a real job?
3: Yes. Over my dead
0: body? There must be something we can do.
3: The only way out is to expand our congregation, but we've targeted everyone who might be interested in joining the flock.
0: Hmm, not quite everyone.
1: Christians trying to manipulate millennia-old scripture to fit into the ideals of modern liberal democracies are kidding themselves. When your car breaks down, you don't take it to a blacksmith. When you're choosing a new smartphone, you don't consult with your local clockmaker.
3: Customer service, this is Bella speaking. How can I help you today? I'm trying to connect to this internet thingy I've heard so much about, but I'm having trouble. I can help you with that. First of all, what operating system are you running? Windows. Excellent. Which one? Windows! Yeah, but which version? Windows! Uh, Yeah, but I mean, is it like Windows 10 or Windows 8? Windows! How long have you had this computer? Ages! Oh, right, so it could be Windows 7? I bought it brand new in 1985. Oh, it won't even have Wi-Fi. I've got a Hi-Fi. While
1: some of the biblical text is not explicit, and as I have tried to do, we should treat it with some charity and excuse the things they didn't have enough parchment to mention. But there are passages that all the word gymnastics in the world won't ever justify. LGBT and scripture are simply incompatible. To further my point, I'll leave you with one last quote from Leviticus in the Old Testament. These are allegedly the words of Yahweh himself, as quoted... By Moses.
0: Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Amen. And that's why Satan is my superhero.
1: If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe. You know the drill. But more importantly, please recommend the show to just one person. I mean, literally, one person. Choose that person well.
3: Con- congregation congregation pastor I've been going over the books and based on our current current and based on our current current and based on our current and based on our current conjugated and based on our current, quadriga- on our current quadru- contributions contributions that's a word and based on our current quadru- current and based on our current contributions, contributions are surplus. Ugh. Yay. did it. Now I'm craving pasta.